a woman is not required to be circumcised, but a woman in faith should not marry an uncircumcised man. A woman enters into the relationship with the Almighty, and this is where these relationships are important, and this is not to get things twisted. The reason I believe Father wants a woman to be a virgin is that she doesn't give herself to someone, but he becomes her husband until she is married. And when she marries, she is to marry someone who is in covenant relationship with the Almighty, which means that all men who are in covenant relationship with the Almighty is going to be circumcised. It's a logical thing. So Father says to his people, don't let your sons marry their women and don't let your daughters marry their sons. Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the book of Genesis. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Jehovah told Abraham to no longer call his wife Sarai, but Sarah. It is clear, according to Jehovah's intent, that in order for the covenant Jehovah made with Abraham to come to pass, Sarah had to come in agreement with him. After the conversation with Jehovah, Abraham took Ishmael and all the men of his house and circumcised them as Jehovah had commanded. This brought all the men in Abraham's house into and under the covenant Jehovah made with Abraham. Abraham was 99 when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. The commandment of circumcision is based on the covenant of Abraham, not a Mosaic covenant or covenant made with the Jews. Today's study title is Blessings, Covenants, and Circumcisions. So, let's study. Last week, we were in uh, Genesis chapter 17, and we came to the conclusion where Father had dealt with Abraham. He had changed his name. He established his covenant with him. And then he turns his attention to Sarah. And in chapter 17 of Genesis, verse number 15, Jehovah said unto Abram, As for Sarai, thy wife, Thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, or shall her name be. And what's interesting here is Jehovah told Abraham to no longer call her name Sarai, but Sarah. And so think about this. Abraham is accustomed to calling her Sarai, and now he's calling her Sarah. Jehovah didn't call her Sarah Abraham did. And so for the first time of hearing this new name, it was based on what father instructed Abram. So she hears her name called by her husband. And I point this out because typically what father did in a family, he did it through the husbandman. When he did things within a family, He generally brought it through the husband. And here we see that Sarah responds, or we're going to see that. And then later on in the next chapter, 
we're going to see the encounter that Sarah has with the angel of Jehovah, but her first hearing of her name change did not come from the Most High. It came from her husband. In verse 16, and he says, I will bless her. Jehovah says, I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. And as I look at this passage, I can't help but think that when father made the covenant with Abram and blessed him, that he says some similar things. This word bless, barak, has several meanings. It means to bless or to kneel, to be blessed, to bless oneself. And I found it even interesting that if you look at that last, to praise, to salute, to curse. (laughs) But these are all the different definitions, if you would, or word choices used to describe this Hebrew word, barak, which we get the English word, bless. And so Father pronounces a blessing. He speaks and he blesses her. And this word is used 302 times according to the American version. And then we see salute and curse and and blaspheme. And so as we've said concerning Hebrew words and even in cases Greek words, just like English words, we have to look at the context of the word to determine the proper choice of word to associate with it. And so Father bless her, and this blessing that Jehovah is pronouncing on Sarah through Abram is similar to the covenant that he made with Abraham. In verse 4, chapter 17, he says, As for me, behold my covenant. So I'm going back earlier into this particular verse or chapter where Jehovah speaks to Abram, and he says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. And so you'll see here that what he said to Sarah is that I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Now, a mother of nations, that's plural. In other words, there will be many nations. There will be more than one. So she shall be a mother of nations. And then notice this other, kings of people shall be of her. In other words, kings will come out of her. Kings of people shall be of her. And what he says to Abram, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and you shall be a father of many nations. She would be the mother. If he's the father, she will be the mother. So this covenant that he makes with Abram seems to embody Sarah because think about it, as we're going to see in a moment, there's no way in the world that the covenant that he's making with Abram can come to pass without Sarah. Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram. So he changes Abram's name to Abraham and then tell her that he's going to change Sarah's name to Sarai's name to Sarah. And he is the one who delivers this by calling her Sarah because he told her, don't call her that name anymore. For a father of many nations have I made thee and I will make thee exceeding fruitful and I will make nations of thee and kings shall come out of thee. Same thing he says to Sarah. And so back in chapter 15, when Jehovah made a covenant with Abram, he said, in the same day, Jehovah made a covenant with Abram saying, unto thy seed. 
And notice what he says here. Unto thy seed have I given this land. Now, the land that Abram was in was Canaan. But Father says, I will give this land, which is from the river of Egypt. Canaan was not in Egypt. He says, from the river Egypt, we know this river to be the Nile, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. This goes beyond Canaan. And so this is the covenant, and he says, unto thy seed, because what he's talking about, this seed, seed is plural. (laughs) Within itself, seed is, is plural. And what he's saying is that your seed is going to cover a vast amount of land from the river Egypt, the great river in Egypt, to the river Euphrates. So that's a lot of land, brothers and sisters, and it's going to be these nations that is going to come out of Abram and these kings of people that will come forth from he and from Sarah. Now, he's making these declarations before Sarah ever get to a point of bearing children, but but watch what goes on here. Now, this word covenant, bereath, covenant, allegiance, alliance, or pledge, between men, a treaty, a league, a constitution. And it goes on to use terminology that we are accustomed to. And it's a covenant, especially when one cuts covenant, one with the Almighty and the Almighty that is cutting covenant, is typically based on some conditions. And he's already told Abram, if you walk before me and be perfect, then he's going to make this covenant. And Abram falling on his face seems to be in agreement with this covenant, meaning that Abram now has a responsibility to walk before the Almighty a certain way. But Abram has already listened to the Almighty who told him to leave Ur of the Chaldees. Of course, he brought his father and his nephew Lot up to Haran. And then after Terah died, he left there and came into Canaan. And we know the story. We followed the journey. But Abram has demonstrated that he has no problem obeying what father tell him to do. And we're going to see in this particular case, Abram doesn't waste time obeying. When father gives him a command, when he gives him instructions, Abram does it. The word covenant here is 264 times. It's also used in the frame of league, confederacy. And remember, Abram had confederates with the other fellows there in the land. When they went with him, they were in covenant. They were in league. They were in confederacy together because they went in fault with these kings who had came in and took Lot and the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other surrounding villages, towns, and cities. It is clear according to Jehovah's intent that in order for the covenant Jehovah made with Abram to come to pass, Sarah had to comply and come in agreement with it. And Sarah has already shown by giving uh, Hagar to sleep with Abraham that she was willing to do what was necessary to see this covenant fulfilled. We quite often hear about Sarah laughing at the possibility of having a child in her old age. But Abram felt similar. And in this next verse, he laughed 
in his heart at the idea of producing a child at 100 years of age. Through a 90-year-old Sarah, whom had been unsuccessful in childbearing for the totality of their marriage up to that point. So Abram, the man of faith, and this is, you know, what I, I'm not trying to put Abram on blast or anything like that, but, you know, sometimes we read about these people in the Bible and they seem so perfect to us to where there's nowhere in the world we can attain to the likeliness or the walk that these individuals attain to. But I have to remind us, brothers and sisters, that every person in the Bible was a human being just like us. They had their issues, they had their flaws, they had their way of thinking. And what makes these individuals extraordinary is the same thing that would make us extraordinary, and that is they obeyed. There were those who obeyed the Almighty, and there were those who disobeyed the Almighty. Those who obeyed him, we see the blessings. We see the things that is associated with them walking in obedience to the instructions that the Almighty gave them. We also see the contrast of those who didn't. And this is the same thing that's playing out today. Either we walk in obedience or we don't. We walk in obedience to what he instructs us or we walk in in obedience to what our denominations and traditions instruct us. Abram said in his heart, even though he was a man of faith, he had moments of doubt in his heart. Now, he didn't say it with his mouth, obviously, but he did. The writer here, Moses, writes and tells us that this was a dilemma in his heart. And so Abram fell upon his face (laughs) and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto me? that is a hundred years old? (laughs) And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? So here he is. He's on his face. This is a posture of worship, folks. (laughs) But his mind is going through some stuff. (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm down here. He's laughing. He's heard some stuff. It's like, you know, this is unbelievable. But I know that, you know, who I'm talking to, I've seen what he has done. And even though I've seen all the things that he's done, what he's saying right now, it's kind (laughs) of... It was a little difficult for him to take in. Here we see what's in his heart coming out in doubt because this is a doubtful statement that Abram is making. He laughed in the fact that, okay, you're saying I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have a son. Now, he's already had a son, Ishmael, but that was 13 years ago. So 13 years have passed by and father visits them again and says, you're going to have another son. You see? (laughs) It's like, man, I'm old. I'm too old for this. And then my wife, she's too old. So he's laughing, and then he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. I know what you said, 
but I'm having a hard time grasping it. I got a son. Let's just work with this. <laughs> this is what he said. Let's just work with what we got because what you're proposing, I cannot comprehend. And he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And so Jehovah said to Abram, and Elohim said, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son. I know it's a little hard for you to get this, but Sarah is going to give you a son, and here's his name. So he not only tells him he's going to have a son, but he tells him what to call him, and this is going to be a year later. So a year in advance, as we're going to see here in a moment, he gives him the name of the child that she's not even yet pregnant with. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Jehovah heard Abram's request concerning Ishmael, and he said further, and as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, there's that word blessed again, and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. And I find this interesting that just as Jacob would have 12 sons, that Ishmael would have 12 princes, shall he begat, and I will make him a great nation. Now, Father is pronouncing these blessings saying he's going to be fruitful, he's going to multiply, he's going to have 12 princes come out of him, he's going to be a great nation. And then Jehovah blesses Abram's son Ishmael from Hagar. So he blessed Ishmael, but he established his covenant with Abram's son Isaac from Sarah, which was born a year later. And so he says in chapter 17, verse 21, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. So a year from now, Sarah is going to bring forth the child. Now, Abram knows that because he's already looked at himself. He's looked at his body. He's looked at his condition. He's looked at the fact that it's been 13 years, and then, of course, that was with a, a younger woman, and that was many years ago. And he knows that in, for this to happen, that he and Sarah has got to come together. And so here you have this 100-year-old man because people have a tendency to look at Bible days and say people lived a lot longer back then. But this wasn't back then, then. Abraham is looking at himself. He says, man, I'm 99 years old. Sarah is 90. That's not the kind of age people back in Methuselah day, that's not the kind of statement they made. Abraham recognized that he wasn't back in those days. <laughs> he was in the days when men were dying early. And here he is, 99 years old, 
looking at his body and saying, you know, this body is not going to be able to do what you said, and certainly Sarah's body is not going to be able to do it because she's 90 years old and the woman still haven't had a child. And Father says, I know, but she will. Although Abram felt it was impossible for him and Sarah to bear children together, he knew it was not impossible for the Most High Elohim to produce a child with them. And so here he puts his faith in the Almighty. Verse 22, and he left off talking with him and Elohim went up from Abram. So now Father has spoken. The conversation is over. After the conversation with Jehovah, Abram took Ishmael and all the men of his house and circumcised them as Jehovah had commanded. This command of circumcision brought all of the men in Abram's house into and under the covenant Jehovah made with Abram. And this is vital, folks. Abraham, it wasn't just Abram circumcised or Ishmael circumcised, but all these men in Abram's house were circumcised and they entered into the covenant that Jehovah made with Abram through the process of circumcision. Verse 23, And Abram took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abram's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as Elohim had said unto him. So how many days passed? Abram had this conversation with Jehovah. Jehovah went up, and what did Abram do? Immediately he gathered these men together along with his son, and that same day there was a circumcision party. Who were these men? Abram circumcised. Where were they from? What were their ethnicity or nationality? We know Ishmael, the son of Abram, by Hagar the Egyptian. So we know Abram was of the Chaldees. He was Syrian. He was from Mesopotamia. And so we know that he was from Ur, Hagar was from Egypt. They produced a son together. That's Ishmael. Some of these men were men from Haran, which is also Mesopotamia. Now, I'm pointing this out because they weren't Jews. There was no Jews at this time. They weren't Hebrew. These were men who were servants and bought with money. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 5, And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. So all of these people, these souls, these men and women that they gathered in Haran, in Mesopotamia, they were not Abram's kinfolk because he left his kinfolks except for Lot and his dad. So these were not Abram's kinfolk. They weren't from uh, Ibri. They were individuals who simply crossed over. 
Crossover what? They obviously, Haran, from the geography we could look, was on the other side of the Euphrates. Abram, in Ur of the Chaldees, was on the other side of Euphrates. So they had crossed over, but they were not of the lineage of Abram. The only child Abram had at this particular time was Ishmael. So we got those individuals. Some of these men were men from Egypt. They were Egyptians. Remember, Pharaoh gave Abram many servants. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 16, and he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. So here we have men servants that had been given to him from Egypt. So they were Egyptians or whatever nationality they were that was given, but they were not of Abram's lineage. They were not of Abram's house. They were not of his kin. They were not from his line. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive in Genesis chapter 14, he armed his train servants. Now, that doesn't mean that all of the men in Abram's house was trained. And, of course, there were boys, I would suspect, and there were aged men. But there were 318 trained men. Now, if that was all, that's a lot of circumcision right there. And none of them were Hebrew. None of them were Jews. None of them were Israelites. None of them was under the Mosaic law. It's important that we point that out. Some of these men were possibly from Ur of the Chaldees. The Bible doesn't tell us whether or not servants came with Abram, with Lot, with Haran and Sarah when they left Ur. I suspect that they did, but I can't prove it. So if they did, these were Chaldeans. So we got Chaldeans, Mesopotamians, Egyptians, none of which were of the Hebrew line, the line of Ebri, Israelites, Jews. We do not know the age of all the men of Abram's house, but we do know that Abram was 99. How? Because it's recorded. And Abram was 90 years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. We also know that Ishmael was 13. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And we see that Abram wasted no time obeying Jehovah's commandment of circumcision or any other commandment Jehovah gave him. As soon as Jehovah was done giving the command, Abraham obeyed the command. When speaking to Isaac, Abram's promised son, Jehovah said this about Abram, because Abram develops a reputation of being a friend of Elohim, but also of being someone who kept his commandments. So here's what Jehovah says to Isaac, Abram's son. In Genesis 26, 5, he says, because Abram obeyed my voice, kept my charge, kept my commandments, kept my statutes, 
and kept my laws. So Abram was called, and then he became a friend of Elohim. Abraham was his friend. Jehovah called him friend through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 41, verse 8 of Isaiah. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abram, my friend. Jehoshaphat referred to Abram being Jehovah's friend in a prayer, 2 Chronicles 27. Art not thou God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abram, thy friend, forever? And then James wrote concerning Abram, being Jehovah's friend. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abram believed Elohim, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of Elohim. These are powerful statements. When you look at the use of Abram throughout the New Testament, Yeshua referring to him as it relates to the gospel writings and what they're saying concerning him. Genesis 17, 26, in the self-same day was Abram circumcised and Ishmael, his son, the self-same day. Now, I tell you, again, as I read these and I ponder them and I look at Abram's quick response, and as we're going to go through, we're going to see that Father speaks to Abram and Abraham gets busy. Earlier, we've already seen him tell him certain things and Abram follow. We know that when he told him to go out of Ur of the Chaldees, of course, he told him to leave his father's house and his kin, but he took his kin with him. And so the point is, is that Abram was one who heard and obeyed, which is Shema. Abram Shema, if you would. No man was left uncircumcised. I find this to be fascinating because you've got these individuals from different places and it's not like they didn't have a brain. It's not like they didn't think for themselves, but they'd been taught by Abram. Abraham had communicated, I believe, they watched Abraham's life. They have fought with him. They've been trained by him. They've been cared by him. Even to the point, if you remember, when Father began to deal with Abram, and he says, listen, what can you give me? I got all this stuff, but what good is it going to do? I got to leave it to my servant. Abram had already decided that he was going to leave his possessions to a servant. So Abram didn't have an issue with his relationship with these individuals. Can you imagine being the slave or the servant that inherits your master's estate. (laughs) That is awed. I'm awed by the idea. Instead of, you know, sending somebody back to Ur from maybe Laban's house, say, hey, look into my heir. I know I got some kinfolk back there. I've left my father's house and I got all this stuff. And so, you know, we got to find a next to kin. But no, Abram had already made it up in his mind who his family was. And it was those whom he trained. It was those who he taught. It was those who he saw through 
instructions that they would walk with the Almighty. We see that he entrusted this man, as we're going to find out, to go all the way back to his kinfolk's house and find a wife for his son. I find it to be a little odd, but hey, you know, who am I? We'll look at that a little bit more when we get to it. Every man in that house was circumcised. There was no man left, verse 27, and all the men of his house, born in the house and bought with money of the stranger, was circumcised with him. I don't know if Abram circumcised all of them before he circumcised himself or if he taught some people to circumcise. I wasn't there. I can't see it. But I can imagine it. And that, that was a lot of foreskin and blood. And individuals going along with the idea because it came from Abram who he said, came from the Most High. Every man was circumcised, and every man who is circumcised enters the covenant Jehovah made with Abram. When Jehovah said this covenant to Abram, what did that have to do with the men? It had everything to do with the men. In other words, here's the thing, and I can imagine Abram explaining it to him, says, listen, Here's the deal. At this particular point, you all are free to go. But if you stay, here's what's going to be required. You must be circumcised, and here's why. And I can see him explaining. These are the things that the Creator has talked to me about. When Abram went out to battle, it's like he went out and had a fight, and it doesn't seem, I don't know if he lost anybody in that battle. But the point is, is that these individuals have seen and watched. And so Father has already said anybody who's not circumcised is to be cut off. And so Abram is, I can imagine, instructing them that if you stay, here's what will be required of you. And according to the verse, every man was circumcised. All the men of his house were circumcised. So when they were circumcised, whether they were Mesopotamian, Chaldean, Egyptian, by the act of circumcision and being circumcised, they entered into the covenant Jehovah made with Abram. Jehovah didn't make a covenant with them. He made a covenant with Abram, right? But the covenant with Abram involved all the men of his house. By them getting circumcised, they entered into the covenant that Jehovah made with Abram. All of the blessings, all of the promises that were made to Abram, now by getting circumcised, they enter into it, and none of them were Jewish. Got to point that out because people say, well, circumcision is for the Jews. Well, they shouldn't have been circumcised because they weren't Jewish. They were not Israelites. 
There was no covenant of Mo. There was no Mosaic law. Moses hadn't even been born then. John the Baptist's circumcision was not because he was an Israelite, a Levite, or Jew, but because of the covenant of Abraham. Let's take it further. Yeshua's circumcision was not because he was an Israelite of the tribe of Judah or Jew, but because he was a descendant of Abram and of the covenant of Abram. Paul's circumcision was not because he was an Israelite, Benjamite, or a Jew, but because he was a descendant of Abraham and of the covenant of Abraham. What does that say about us? Our circumcision is based on the covenant of Abram not a Mosaic covenant or a covenant made with the Jews, but because of entering into the covenant, the promises, the blessings of Abram. Some of us remember, you know, in church, I know I did, Abraham had many sons. I'm one of them. How can a person claim to be a son of Abraham and reject the covenant? You can't be a son of Abraham and reject the covenant of circumcision. Now, you can be a son of Abraham, be circumcised, and reject faith in Yeshua. And so what am I saying? Circumcision don't save you. But circumcision brings you into the covenant of blessings and promises. And what seals the deal is faith in Messiah. This faith in Messiah, brothers and sisters, it is preparing us as we are preparing to receive the one who has ascended, knowing that he's going to return. But in the meantime, (laughs) I don't need the blessings of Abram in the afterlife. I need him right now. I need the inheritance. And so do you. I want all that father has, just as father made Abram rich, that he may establish his covenant in the earth. The descendants of Abram, which is us, we want to enter into the blessings the promises. Now, if you don't, that's on you. Reject the covenant of circumcision. But if I understand correctly, all who reject that covenant will be cut off. You either be cut on or cut off. But there will be a cutting. (laughs) I prefer to be cut on than cut off. And that's the end of uh, this portion. Uh, Next week, we're going to get into chapter number 18. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free eBooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. 
Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Apostle Arthur Bailey One. If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, Shalom Saints. <music>